0: giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase clutch athletics at newbalance.com.
1: This is the old pick six podcast. And this is Sunday night. Super friends. That's Will Brinson. That's John breach. I'm Ryan Wilson. This is the Sunday night. Super friends week seven NFL recap. 2023 edition so here's the plan in case you're new around here or maybe you've forgotten. Going to hit our 10 top takeaways from week 7. The biggest plays, the best players, the missed calls. Producer Harry might have some thoughts on that. Some one-loss teams went down. Some one-win teams got going. Shout out to McCorkle Jones. But first things first, remember, give us a little thumbs up if you're watching on the YouTubes at NFL and CBS. And of course, subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss a show. All right, boys, let's get to it. Going to start at the link. That's in Philadelphia Breach. So the Eagles and Jalen Hurts were coming off that three-interception loss to the Jets. And even though they were 5-1, and one, we talked about this last week, we were wondering when that offense was going to look like it did last season. Meanwhile, the Dolphins had used the first month and a half of the season to outrun hapless defenses uh, to all manner of scoring records except the one team on their schedule with a winning record. They went to Buffalo and got their doors blown off. Cover your ears, Harry. So here we go. They go to Philadelphia. And look, there were injuries on both sides. There were a ton of penalties by the Dolphins. I thought the Dolphins hung in there. I thought they were going to win this game. It clearly didn't turn out that way. The last 10 to 12 minutes were all Philadelphia. So, Brinson, I'll I'll come to you first. (laughs) Can we trust this Dolphins team as they're currently constituted with the understanding that Xavier Howard and Jalen Ramsey are coming back?
0: And... Uh, Devin, Achan uh, should return as well. You would think maybe a little, uh, with Theron Armstead should supposed to come back too. I think. So a lot of guys, a lot of key guys missing for a team that has been very good. The season now five and two on the year. I, I mean, I think to answer your question specifically, Wilson, yes, we can trust the dolphins, but I do wonder if they've seen, they, they beat the chargers, the Patriots, the Broncos, which you beat the Chargers by two. It's like, congrats on having air to breathe. You're alive, right? Like, you beat the Chargers by one score. Good job. The Pats, despite today, and we'll get to that in a minute, you know, that's not like a, like an incredible win to beat the Pats by seven, even on the road, uh, even on Sunday Night Football. The Broncos, they punk 70 on them, so we'll, we'll give them credit for that. And then the Giants and the Panthers. Like, they're two... Harry and I were talking about this before we were doing some recording stuff for other for the pod uh features and like he's like you know will the dolphins show up in this game like this big game the last time they had a huge one like this was a couple weeks ago against the bills and, and they did show up in the sense of like it felt like the offense was operating operating like you know nicely at times the running game couldn't get going and you sort of wonder like if that running game isn't going to work like as chris collins kept pointing out they had to resort to gadget plays on in, ter- in terms of to get the run game going like a little like sort of like pseudo jet sweep type stuff where Mostert's coming around on a Tyreek Hill fake. And, and so like, that's concerning. And then, you know, you need a defensive touchdown on a kind of fluky pick six to tie it up at 17 all. And then the Eagles pull away and score too late. It felt like the Dolphins, the Dolphins could have won the game, but the Eagles, and this is where I think the biggest concern is breach. The Eagles looked like a much more physical team. And it felt like the Bills kind of did the same thing to the Dolphins. As much as we praise the Dolphins' speed and their, you know, flashy nature and ability to break off big plays, it's a big, big concern if you're going to get out physicaled by better teams, uh, conference, non-conference, whatever it is. Especially if we're if we're eyeing, you know, January, February, etc.
2: Yeah, I I mean, Brenton, finesse is fun until you get punched in the mouth and then can't really recover. I mean, that's like me being in the boxing ring with someone twice my weight where I dodge a couple of his punches, then he hits me once in the face and I'm knocked out, match is over, it's done. I will say right now, I don't trust the Dolphins against good teams. Uh, Look, I I talked about a little bit on the podcast, the Power Ranking podcast last Tuesday, just that you look at the teams they've beaten. Every team they've beaten has a losing record. We have now seen them play two teams with a winning record, and they have lost those two games by an average of 21 points per game. That's three touchdowns. Uh, And so, yes, they were missing people tonight, and, yes, they did have some uh, bad calls go against them. But the flip side of that is you look at the Eagles' domination. The Dolphins only scored 17 points. Jalen Hurts personally gave them 10 of those. He lost the fumble that led to a field goal where the Dolphins didn't get a first down. They just went three and out and kicked a field goal. Uh, and then obviously the pick six on a pass that he probably shouldn't have thrown. Uh, so, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it really feels like Miami's offense produced seven points here. And so the the Eagles defense is good. That's for sure. Uh, but I think part of this also was that the Dolphins got bullied on uh, the Dolphins defense. Did I mean, obviously the brotherly shove works on everyone, but when you're putting together a six and a half minute drive in the fourth quarter, cause your defense can't do anything. That's a concern. So I think right now the Dolphins have enough. They're going to beat the bad teams. They're going to beat the Raiders. They're going to beat the commanders. They're going to beat the Titans. Like I, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I am not worried at all about this team getting the playoffs. They're going to get to the playoffs. Question is what's going to happen in the playoffs when they're playing teams like the Bills and like the Eagles, and they are playing good teams.
0: Wilson, I that think, is my question. I think well, it's actually and one drive over fifty yards. That is a big concern with that Dolphins' offense.
1: Yeah, to follow up on that. So, a couple things, and you guys are both right. You're not wrong. And Harry, this is a little glimpse into passive aggressive breach when his team isn't playing or not doing well. He loves to take shots at other teams that are doing well. Typically, it used to be me and the Steelers, but since you're oh the my God. high on the high on the horse right now. Watch out. And, and the Steelers
0: are 4-2, and Breach and can't figure out why or
1: how. Like. Yeah, I can't either. But here's the thing. So, one offensive touchdown by the Dolphins. Brenton, you sort of touched on it. No Teron Armstead the left tackle. Connor McGovern, no center. Isaiah Wynn went out in the first quarter. Lester Cotton came in and immediately got a hole that brought back a big play. And I think that affected the running game more than anything else. Shout-out for Chase Claypool. He got on the field, so I'm surprised that didn't save the game for him but I'm not making excuses with the injuries because every team has injuries and they can point to them, but they have some pretty big ones. So they get Teron Armstead back. They get Connor McGovern back in the middle of that defense. And Jalen Carter made himself very familiar with the folks (laughs) of that offensive line. They get Xavier Hauer back. They get Jalen Ramsey on the field for the first time. Uh, I think that looks different in the division. Now, uh, to your point, Breach, it may not change anything when we get to the end of the road. But I, I think the positive for me is that we're not talking about Tua being the issue. Because a lot of times in recent years, it's like, well, Tua can't stay healthy. Tua won't get rid of the ball. Tua is doing everything to to move that ball, move the team up and down the field. Jalen Waddle went out with a back injury for, I don't know, a third of the game, and he wasn't quite himself when he came back. Again, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying when they're at full power, they're, they're, they're hard to stop. But I had the same thoughts you guys did when, you guys did when I was watching. Like, this team – they're not as tough as the Eagles are, and we were taking a lot of shots at the Eagles last week for the way they played that game. I give them credit, and this isn't a conversation about uh, only the the Dolphins in the sense that we're not giving credit to the Eagles, but the, the, the focus of what we're talking about here is what can we take away from this in terms of what it means for the Dolphins' future. I feel pretty good about the Eagles.
0: Uh, FYI, uh, Mike Garofalo of NFL Media just tweeted out a video of uh, Jalen Hurts. Hobble, he's like, Jalen Hurts clearly battled something tonight, was hobbled as he was running off the field. Um, yeah, I don't want to read too much into it, but you know, hurts. Hurts played really well. 20, 23 or 31, two seventy two touchdowns the interception was off a, of, like, you know, just a fluke pick six there. Uh, AJ Brown with a monster game, Dallas got another, also a big game, but like, man, week seven, Jalen Hurts hobbled. Isn't great considering the number of times that they run this brotherly shove and the push touch. I, th- I think that's at least, I think the, Eagles, but, but to breach it, to like breach it, the Dolphins are fine. They're going to get in the playoffs. Eagles are fine. They're six and one They're They've stacked a bunch of wins on the easier part of their schedule. It's going to get harder as we move forward. Jalen hurts a little banged up, but this is a deep roster, a very talented roster. And they've won these close games in ways that we sort of didn't think that they would. So, yeah, I mean, Philly is in great shape. I think Philly and San Francisco through seven weeks in um, San Francisco plays tomorrow night, of course, but uh, or Monday night. Yeah, they sort of are who we thought they were. There's no reason to be concerned about them.
1: The Eagles, yeah, you yeah. okay with the Philly, Eagles? And
0: Sa- Philly and Philly in San Francisco? Like, well, San Francisco,
1: just, we can talk about that later. I mean, I don't know if I feel great about the win. I, 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 I
0: just been the top two teams. Like it was like you were looking at the NFC, and you're like, all right. Like even if the Eagles regress a little bit, they're still gonna like cakewalk to the playoffs because they have they have a really deep roster. We believe in what they've got and, and that's, that's sort of borne itself out and we see the passing offense kind of come alive tonight and you realize that the, the Eagles can and this is what we learned last year is they can win in different ways you know like the, the, the running game was fine tonight but not great um, they, they, the brotherly shove is unstoppable and they can win in the pass game if they have to All
2: right, yeah except just real quick oh, Jalen Hurts if that's anything if
0: that's a thing that's a thing that's he's going right there either yeah
2: that's got yeah, Marcus Mariota there as the backup yeah Jalen Hurts and, hurt and,
0: would be bad
1: And Tanner McKee out of Stanford. Don't forget him. Breach. Mm. Do not want to forget him. He's pretty smart because he went to Stanford. All right, moving on. We are going to Maryland. I love Maryland. Baltimore Ravens. Who doesn't love Maryland and crab cakes? So last week we're like, all right, which Ravens team, you know, (laughs) the same conversation we just had about the Dolphins, which Ravens team is going to show up for one week to the next. And, uh, in preparing for this game, I was all in on the Lions like everyone else. You know, you can memorize the talking points at this point. They scored 14 or more points in the last four games. Uh, the big issue with their defense was giving up nothing in the run. They literally had given up 388 yards in the run game over the course of the season, which was uh, historically great. They were getting after the quarterback by rushing four all the things that would make you concerned if you were the Ravens, especially since the Ravens breach historically find ways to lose games in the fourth quarter in new and exciting ways. Uh, This game was over shortly after kickoff. I think it was a seven play 75 yard drive or whatever. They scored a touchdown. The Ravens did. And that was a wrap. So as Harry notes in the rundown, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can read it here. Only the Ravens can beat the Ravens. Is that correct?
2: I mean, I don't think that's correct. We saw them what? lose to the Steelers two weeks ago, your Steelers, and only score 10 points, and that's the yeah, – But wait, like, let, let me stop, like, stop you. It feels like Do we put they- that on the
0: Ravens. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know. You know how they lost that game. They dropped 27 passes.
2: And Lamar threw right. like, like an injured reception. And drop yeah. passes happen,
1: just like injuries happen, or pe- like you, okay. whatever you put it on,
2: it's yeah, not but, but, but part but drop, game. But drop-
0: but drop passes are like, that's beating yourself. All right, let's go. Let, let Breach make his point. But you
2: still only scored 10 points. So maybe you scored 17. It's still, we're talking about a team that scored 10 points two weeks ago. That's that's my point. Uh, no, but I mean, I've said the Ravens are the best team in AFC North right now. I picked the Ravens to win the AFC North uh, this year. And I had the Bengals and Ravens in my AFC title game in my preseason predictions. So I have been all about the Ravens all season. I think this is a good team. They finally put it all together. And, you know, obviously there was going to be some adjustment period with Todd Munkin's offense, and it looks like it took exactly seven weeks for this thing <laughs> to get adjusted to because Lamar Jackson was out there uh just slinging the ball. His receivers weren't dropping passes. And now that we know how scary the Ravens offense can be, if this is what they are going forward, if they consistently do this, they might put up 40 next week because they're playing the Cardinals. So if we see this for a two or three week period, then I'll be convinced that bam, Lamar Jackson has mastered this offense. But again, if you forget about the Steelers game, they only scored 19 against the Colts. So there's been some games. I mean, even last week against the Titans in London, they scored 24, they kicked six field goals. So the offense has been getting better every week and if they consistently do this then this team is scary because they play the type of football that they can run the ball they can and if Lamar Jackson's thrown for 357 yards that's equally scary. So, yeah, I think the the Ravens have the potential to be uh one of the most dynamic teams in the AFC. I'd probably put them at number 2 in the in the AFC right now.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to argue with
1: that.
2: So,
0: what's interesting and um I I, I I actually only noticed this because uh, so uh, fellow podcast host, Katie Mox is in a, is in a fantasy league. We were texting about a trade that she got offered in in an expert league. And I won't rat out who the expert is that offered it. it was like trying to trade with her, but he's trying to acquire a Ravens receiver in the process. And I was like, man, that's kind of like interesting. it was just bizarre, but I looked at it. And the Ravens schedule coming up, is so conducive to this offense exploding. They have the Cardinals next week. Cardinals 31st defense coming in this week by DVOA. Very bad defense. Tremendous defense. Uh, the Ravens should be able to throw the ball at will against them. Se- Seattle, number one run defense in football. We should see the Seahawks. We should see the Ravens be able to throw against them. The Browns, of course, very good defense, so that'll be a, a low-scoring divisional game. The Bengals the week after that. Uh, could just turn into a shootout. We've seen those Bengals Ravens games explode before. And then they're at the Chargers, who, you know, you could end up in a 40, 41 40 game or something like that. And I think that's interesting, the schedule, because when you look at what the Ravens did in this particular game, Lamar just in an almost borderline immaculate game, right? I mean, 155.8 passer rating, 21 to 27, 357 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, ran another, ran another uh, touchdown in, didn't have to run much, only nine times for 36 yards, distributed the ball to a ton of dudes. Gus Edwards was the leading receiver with 80 receiving yards. He was on one catch. Uh, six targets for Zay Flowers, four, four catches, seventy-five yards, six targets for Mark Andrews, four catches, sixty three yards, two scores. And then seven targets, five catches, and forty-nine yards for Odell Beckham. Like this is sort of what we thought we might be getting for from this Todd Munkin offense is a nice, more even distribution, a more aggressive passing game, the ability to put the ball down the field, let Lamar look like this. Man, if you can find him 10 to one or, or higher for MVP. Go bet that I think I saw eight, eight to one on DraftKings earlier. He was like fifteen or fifteen to twenty to one in that range before the week. Um, this schedule is conducive for the Ravens' offense to really put up big numbers, and I think Lamar, especially with the Eagles beating the Dolphins, Lamar could be the MVP favorite in three weeks.
1: All right, let's talk about the other team on the other side because uh, the Ravens look fantastic. I don't even know if we need to look ahead to their schedule to see how they're going to do against bad defenses because they'd beat the crap out of a really good defense after the game. Uh, Head coach Dan Campbell said we got our asses kicked, and, and he was right in every single uh, word he used in that sentence. But, Breach, I'll ask you the same question we just asked about the Dolphins uh, and the Ravens, actually. This is going to be a recurring theme on the show. Where does this leave us with with Detroit? All right, well, obviously I was concerned about the Dolphins. I am not concerned
2: about the Detroit Lions for two reasons. Number one, they play in the NFC North. Uh, so they lose this game they are still two and a half games up and even if the Vikings win on Monday night against the 49ers which doesn't seem likely they could maybe Uh, but even if the Vikings were to win that game the Lions still have a two-game week so this in that sense doesn't hurt them they still feel like the best team in that division by far and then the other reason is that like Lamar Jackson just does this to NFC teams. It's a shock to the system. They only see him once every four years. They have no idea what they're going up against. They have no idea how, how to prep for it. Lamar Jackson, fun fact, is 16 and one, 16 and one in his career against NFC teams. He just dominates NFC teams. And so if I'm the Lions, I take the film, set it on fire, I throw it in a trash can, I dump it on Wilson's front lawn, and hmm. I move on with life. And that's it. And that's, that's, you couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. Great. There's no other Lamar Jacksons in the NFL. You don't have to worry about it. And if you get the 10 wins, you're probably winning this division. Uh, and you're already halfway there.
0: You're five and two, you're only two losses. Are to the Seahawks in a close game at home after you beat the Chiefs in Week One? Or you know, sort of, I like. I think. I think maybe that's my one concern with the Lions here. Right, they're too lost. And look, like you lose at Baltimore, it's, it's not a big deal. You get blown out by Baltimore, a little bit concerning. But the the two losses for the Lions come one in Week Two after beating the Chiefs on the road, and then two in Week Seven after going to Tampa Bay. Just sort of. Yeah, you know, 20 to 6 is the final, but you look like a dominant team. And every, every, I mean, I, I'm guilty as charged here. Like, everyone's crowning the Lions as they're in the club of the elite teams in the NFL and the MC. And then they go and just get their ass handed to them by the Ravens. I mean, it's, um, so I, I worry a little bit about maybe the Lions reading their own press, uh, given the timing of the two losses. But I think that, like, you're five and two. You've, it's a great start. There's no one else in that division that really scares you. Uh, keep playing their brain of football and they'll be fine.
1: They could have been in the same hole as Aaron Rodgers and not reading anything, and they would have got their ass. <laughs> this to is stand true. To them. I,
0: I predicted the Dolphins that. Lions Super Bowl no less than three times this week. I, I would actually say like 15, double times. And jinx. 15 times. 15 times. And both teams lost by double digits this week. I'm not sure why I thought it would be smart to have the Lions as a best bet and not just take, I should have taken the Ravens and the Eagles as, my, as two of my best bets for sure.
1: All right. Well, get your hands on that time machine and make that happen. In the meantime, we're going to Foxboro. to what did the kids say? Give flowers to a young man named McCorkle Jones. Actually, we're going to talk about the Bills, the team they they somehow beat. Mac Jones led a uh, last-second comeback. To I mean, sweet mercy alive! The, the, you shouldn't have to say that the Patriots did everything they could to give this game to Buffalo because Buffalo should have beat them like the Ravens beat the Lions Kendrick Bourne fumbled that play on the penultimate drive if you want to use a fancy word uh, that allowed the Bills to score but you can't give Mac Jones that much time Bill Belichick won his 300th game he was extremely interested in talking about it afterwards he said maybe two and a half words I'll just leave you with this the highest completion percentage in a game in Patriots history my man Mac Jones is third behind some guy named Tom Brady who did it twice on the other side what games were those for Tom by the way uh, 2014, he completed 85.7%. 2009, Tom Brady completed 85.3. And oh, McCorkle 83.3 today. And I'll leave you with this. And then, Princeton, uh, you can defend the, this Bills team that you've been defending uh, all the way to the death. The Lions are out of the cage. They're running furiously at you in the middle of the gladiator ring. Uh, brace yourself. So listen, we all know this, but I'll just just to recap: uh, the the uh, the Bills lost in Week One to Zach Rogers. Then they won three straight games by 28 plus points. And then they've led for nine minutes and 53 seconds in the last three games. Went to London, and as Breach noted as our overseas correspondent, they got there literally 12 minutes before the game. Last week, they should have lost to the Giants. And this week, they did lose to the previously one-win New England Patriots. Take the floor, Brent.
0: I mean, I recall <laughs> – boy. Uh- What's that? Uh, I'm getting an urgent news bulletin that we, uh, no, I got, I got nothing. Look, I mean, uh, my, um, my, the bills are fine. Take aged almost as well as my Dolphins, and Lions Super Bowl vision of Dolphins and Lions. And the Super Bowl I take. feel much better about the Lions and Dolphins. A lot better. It For sure. For sure. Um, well, I mean, well, I, the bills are four and three. Their losses are not great. Don't get me wrong. You lose to the Jets. You lose overseas to the Jaguars. The, the, the losing of the Patriots in New England is just real bad. And unacceptable, I think, is a little And I, I wanna I want to take a little bit of ownership here for including the Bills minus eight and a half on the road in a divisional game as one of my best bets. I, I do think at one point the Bills were leading enough where it w- weren't the Bills up. No, nah, they were getting blown out the whole time. Is that right? They were getting blown out the whole time. Uh, were 20.
2: Nothing? That's in, uh, yeah, real quick. Yeah. The Bills were losing the entire game. Uh, they're up twenty-five-22.
0: They're up twenty five twenty two. Until
2: they point. scored with one minute and fifty-eight yeah. seconds left in the fourth quarter. They can't so give Mac
0: Jones that much time, breach. I was I was I was thinking like believe me, I was watching that game thinking a little pick six for a backdoor Bills cover, and like the world is if you took the patch, you're furious. I'd pick the patch against the spread every single week until this week. So I'm I'm pretty pissed about this one. But yeah, like look, I mean, it's just sort of a reminder that one um any given Sunday. Uh, two divisional matchups count. That's three. By the way, that's 300 wins for Bill Belichick. Uh, he's been been working for a few weeks to try and get there um, in his career. Just the third coach to to do that. Um, and like, we got a great Mac Jones game. And I think, I mean, there's been more heat on the Patriots the last couple of weeks. Like, like Bill, Bill, Bill is Bill Belichick on the hot seat has just been a thing. And you go ahead and you beat the Bills, you're just two and five. You're not necessarily a good football team, but you it's sort of a season saver. And kind of like, you know, you you you, you know, just pull a little air out of the balloon and everybody take a breath here, I think.
1: Hey, but Bruce, let me, let me throw you some fun okay, facts. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Let me throw some fun facts, and you can take this away here.
1: So uh, the Patriots snapped a streak of 17 straight games without scoring 28-plus points. If you're Sean McDermott, comma, defensive mind, comma, looking a lot like Brandon Staley, what, Sam Hill, is going on where you're letting this team score 29 points on you? Where you held the Miami Dolphins to 20 points. You held your team last week, the
2: Giants, to single digits, and the New England Patriots scoring twenty nine. It doesn't make any sense at all. I don't know how Mac Jones decided to have his MVP game. He pulled this one out of his behind. I mean, this was this was the Mac Jones the Patriots thought they were going to have all season, and he finally shows up uh, in Week Seven. So I'm sure Belichick is a, a little bit happy about this because now he doesn't have to answer questions about whether Bailey Zappley is going to start and whether Mac Jones is going to end up on the bench. Uh, the one thing about the bills though, that does concern me at least a little bit is that Josh Allen, his shoulder got banged up against the giants. So he's been dealing with kind of shoulder injury and they're like, eh, it's a non-issue. And that's kind of what happened last year with his elbow injury where the bills offense just took a huge step back after that. And every week it was like, no, he'll be fine. And every week it was, he's looking less accurate and he's trying to force things in there that he can't force anymore. Cause he's not a hundred percent healthy where Uh, you know, Josh Allen can throw a laser 45 yards downfield on a dime, but when he's banged up, he can't do that when his shoulders bother him or his elbow or whatever the injury is. And so he's trying to do things that he can't do because of the injury. Uh, and we saw him throw an interception against the Patriots. We saw him throw a a few inaccurate passes. So I I would say there's a little bit of concern with Josh Allen, especially because they have to turn around and play on Thursday night this week. Not that I, I do think they'll beat the Buccaneers, but just. You get no break. You're going to get beat up. The Buccaneers have a decent defense, and so I, that would be my minor concern with the Bills. That you got to make sure Josh Allen's 100% healthy.
1: I think he's 100%. My, Hold on. Let me let me just throw this yeah. at you, Brent. Here's the question. So Dalton Kincaid was targeted eight times. Dawson Knox is out of the picture apparently. Stephon Diggs targeted 12 times. Then James Cook, the running back. Uh, let's keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. Gabe Davis, one catch for six yards. Thanks. This isn't working.
0: Yep. I I am um. I mean, yeah, look, the offense not great against the the Pats at all. I mean, Stefan Diggs, twelve targets, six catches. When does Stefan Dix catch fifty percent of his targets? Like that 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 maybe has me a little nervous about the Allen thing that Breach mentioned because like that sort of accuracy is extremely concerning. And then you have, I maybe mean, not can eight for eight. Right. And, and, but like if, if he and Diggs are that far off and you have Gabe Davis, five for one, like you're talking about guys who are generally going to be a little bit further down the field in terms of where he's targeting them. That, that that's, a, that's concerning to me. Um, I think the bigger worry I would have, at least with the bills though, is that the injuries on defense, like if you're letting Mac Jones in the past toss up 29 on you, And this is, by the way, coming into this game, the Bills had won six of the last seven against the Patriots, and they were five and two against the spread, and had really, like, just since 2020, since Tom Brady left, had basically said, all right, you don't have Tom Brady anymore. We're stomping you, and we're making sure you know that this is our division now. And, And so this win, like, I don't know, the win game broke Sean McDermott's brain. I hope this one doesn't do the same thing.
1: Well, I mean, they they lost, they should have lost to the Giants. They no showed for the Jacks. I don't even know if this is just a Patriots. I mean,
0: I'm I'm telling you, like it's there's concerns on the offense with Josh Allen and with the defense. I just didn't Andrews. want you to
1: besmirch McCorkle's name. I mean, he and I'll be honest, as I was watching the game as you were watching it, I said, please for the love of God, throw the ball, to Mac Jones, and throw it close to the ground because it is gonna get intercepted, you you wily SOB. All right. Just so you guys know ahead of time, Mac Jones breaking my MVP at the end of the show. For now, though, gonna take a quick
3: break when we come back. We're going to talk about how good this Browns team really is right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Welcome
1: back. Like anyone goes anywhere in a podcast.
3: Thank you for listening I to the I went to the bathroom oh. for a <laughs> oh, second.
1: Of course. All right. Do you um, – uh, 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 no, I was
2: asking a question. Do no, I wear whatever. a diaper while we podcast? Maybe. <laughs> no, I was <laughs> going to
0: ask Wilson if you ever uh, – like. Uh, When you come back from like a commercial break on a podcast, you're like, welcome back to the Big Six Podcast. Ryan Wilson here with John Breach and Will Brinson. It's like, we didn't go anywhere.
1: Yeah, that's what I just said. That's why I felt silly.
0: I I agree. I'm with you. I agree with you completely. Oh, yeah. Wilson,
2: I'll start going somewhere during the break so you can feel good about saying it. Yeah.
1: uh, Harry will cut back early from commercial. You'll be walking in circles (laughs) behind you. Desk. I guess I, I do leave
0: it. and like fill up my cup during commercials sometimes.
1: Yeah, you. I was actually talking specifically to you, so actually it does work. You go
0: pee, You you haven't gone
1: to the bathroom a, on a podcast in forever. You I don't think you do can all say all that time. word anymore. FCC violation. Bathroom. Uh, all right. And also it's ageism, making fun of old people who are having to go to the bathroom a lot. Ooh. It's real. Browns-Colts, also real. Mm. Browns 39, Colts 38. This game had nine lead changes. And Breach, I got to come to you first because this made me literally laugh out loud this is what old people say now old people say lol on facebook breach uh if i read this headline to you in week seven i read to you over the summer and said this is what's gonna happen in week seven tell me who you think i would be talking about first colts quarterback in team history with two pass touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns in one game (laughs) i mean a hundred percent i would have bet all
2: my money at the time that was anthony richardson Except I'm the last person to ask because maybe I would have guessed Gardner Minshew since I'm his number (laughs) one fan on the planet. Uh, I mean, in the first half, I was actually going to text you guys and be like, what? First round pick for Gardner Minshew? I
1: was feeling the same way. So this is more more about the Browns, but I thought that was funny. Gardner giveth and Gardner taketh away, but I think that also applies to taketh away in terms of Miles Garrett and how dominant he was in this game and how he had to drag this team in the first half at least over the finish line because Deshaun Watson, and maybe we should start here. What's the deal with Deshaun Watson? It looked like he got concussed. Uh, Kevin Sapansky didn't bring him back in after the first half. They went with P.J. Walker, who was just doing crazy things because that's how P.J. Walker operates. Later, they said it was a shoulder with Deshaun. So I don't know what the deal is, but he did not come back in. He was on the sidelines cheering happily for his team as they won. This team feels like a playoff team, but they have to get the quarterback situation sorted out. So how do
0: you get the quarterback situation sorted out? So... Th- th- this has been lingering and I've mentioned it a few times and I mean, Lord knows everything else I've mentioned a few times this week has been dead ass wrong. So like take this with a grain of salt. Um, but two weeks ago when Deshaun didn't play um Kevin Stefanski and I, I need to go like find the actual quote, but it like threw me for a loop when I read it. It was like Stefanski was basically like, so he didn't play against the, no, before the buy, he didn't play against the Ravens. Right. And then he didn't. And then, he was also like you think, like come back from the bye. He Niners. was medically
2: no. He was medically cleared to play against the Ravens.
0: Exactly, he and Kevin Stefanski said Deshaun made the decision not to play, and now Brady and 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 Deuz pushed back at this when I mentioned it because they were like, like, dude, like, they're like 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 medically cleared. They're like medically cleared to play can mean a very different thing from you know you feel comfortable playing, but it, it, the way I read it, just sort of reading between the lines, is that. Sean, because of the what it costs to acquire him and what they paid him and the fact that, you know, I mean, it, it can't be like, well, we're going to withhold your contract for – Like he has no incentives to his contract. is fully guaranteed that he sort of has kind of a little bit of freedom to say, I don't think I'm going to play today. And I just wonder if hearing that a couple weeks ago and then he skips the Niners game, a very good defense, and then, like, he gets out of there against the Colts, he's like, ah! i don't know i don't know like that that's a kind of a, i don't want to question his there. motives he, had, he hit his head on the turf and he had to come out i'm just i'm just saying he's he's well, he is. he's been medically cleared since september and has chosen not to play football and then left this game early that's all i'm saying
2: well and i think he had been he because he talked to the media leading up to this game and he had said he didn't want to put the browns in a bad spot so if he can't throw the ball 50 yards downfield or hit the long out routes that he didn't feel comfortable playing which again there's a disconnect in the locker room then if the coaching staff I'm not gonna say expects him to play but would prefer that he's out there and he's like yeah I can't do it that that seems like it's gonna create a little bit of an issue and the problem for the Browns is that they're locked into this guy for 230 million dollars there's no way out he's guaranteed this is guaranteed money this isn't Russell Wilson, where you can get out in two years, which again, and, and it feels like because Russell Wilson's gotten so much flack that, it, that in the Deshaun Watson kind of got a flyer for the end of last season with his bad six games. It was like, ah, well, he's rusty. Well, now we're in week seven. There's no more rust. You were either able to play or you're not. And so far Deshaun Watson has not been able to play. Uh, luckily for the Browns, their defense has been so phenomenal. Wilson, you mentioned miles Garrett. He had two forced fumbles, two strip sacks in the first half blocked a field goal. Uh, <laughs> Almost single-handedly won this game. He was the they also gave up four hundred fifty
0: six, four hundred fifty six yards and six point eight yards per play to Gardner Minshew. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, they, they well, were incredible, right. but,
2: but they also forced four turnovers by Gardner right. Minshew, which was really the difference in the game. Uh, and so, I mean, you got to give the Browns' defense a ton of credit because they sure won the game there. And and it, it is if you're the Browns fan or if you're looking at the Browns, you can look at the past two weeks in two ways, You can be like, well, the Browns got lucky and this team should be two and four. Uh, or you can say that's what good teams do in the NFL. All games are close. They beat the 49ers on two because they missed a kick and they beat the Colts by one because PJ Walker actually came through and drove down and got them a touchdown. So I think the Browns defense is going to be a problem for the rest of the NFL. If they can get the QB situation figured out, they're going to be good. But if they can't, well, that's, a, that's a big if though, right? What is, what a,
0: what a, what do a wins over Wilson say the uh, odds are for the Browns to make the playoffs? They're currently inside the bubble, I believe. Uh, Absolutely, so they're division, the uh, the five seed as of right now, I believe.
1: So that division, the Ravens, Breaches Ravens are sixteenth place. Me, I I think it's it's probably percentage wise. I I would put it at like forty like nine point four percent.
0: Well, I have the odds in front of me. What do you think um, the Browns are like? You know, obviously, y- yes or no, make the playoffs. Oh yeah, yes. I mean, it's fifty fifty the way I laid it out. I'll say yes, yes. is minus 205. Yeah. Ooh. See, there you go. That's that's pretty. I mean, just to put that in context. The that's a lot for a team with no quarterback. For real. Yeah. Shout out. To so Jim like Short. the um, I'm trying to find another. So like the Steelers, who are also four and two, are minus one ten to make the playoffs. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that checks out.
1: Uh, quickly, I, I should point this out. Uh, and Breach, I just push back quickly, and you, I think you agree with this. I just think you're speaking generally maybe about Cleveland, but I think all of us last year were not impressed with Deshaun, Rusty or not. And the thing that I kept saying, and I, you guys may have said it as well, I never was sure he was going to get back to the form that we saw when he was at his peak. You agree with that? Agree. Yeah,
2: absolutely, and that oh. was the whole thing. But And we all thought he was bad. We just gave him a flyer and said, and eh, he hasn't played football in a year and a half, so oh, yeah, we're that going – yeah, exactly. And so, real quick though, uh, I'm glad okay. someone in the comments just mentioned it. I got to shout out Dustin Hopkins, who not only hit three field goals of 50 yards or more in this game, absolutely insane that he did that two 50, 40 yarders and a 58 yarder. But he set an NFL record. He became the first kicker in NFL history to hit a field goal of at least 50 yards in five straight games. No kicker had ever. Justin Tucker didn't do that. Jim Breach didn't do it. No kicker ever had hit in a uh, field goal 50 yards or more in five straight games. So Dustin Hopkins, maybe he can be their quarterback. I don't know. What do you think, Wilson?
1: Uh, that's impressive, but not as impressive as what the Chiefs did to the Chargers. And by Chiefs, I mean Travis Kelsey, uh, who apparently um, plays really good when his girlfriend comes to the games. Uh, a lot of times in high school, your girlfriend comes, you get nervous. You, you know throw a bunch of interceptions or drop a bunch of passes. That ain't, ca- that ain't how Travis Kelsey rolls. Uh, the bigger is- issue um, – And this is Harry's talking point here. And this defense actually absolutely got after it. Uh, Justin Herbert. Hey, fun story. Remember when we were crushing the Dolphins for taking one pick ahead of Justin Herbert? (laughs) It just goes to show, like, you don't know what you don't know. And year one doesn't mean anything. Year two sometimes doesn't. And I love Justin Herbert. But two, credit to him for for bouncing back. But Herbert has four touchdowns and four interceptions in his last three games. He's under 60% in three straight games. Um, the Chargers somehow with Kellen Moore are averaging 19.3 points per game in their last three games. I mean, what is going on there with Justin Herbert? And I guess you can blame the finger on his non-throwing hand, but it certainly feels like it's more than that. And the bigger takeaway, and this is what Harry was getting at in the rundown. I'll, I'll come to you first, Breach. Uh, This Chiefs defense, we know about the Chiefs offense. This Chiefs defense and Steve Spaggs, they're absolutely getting after it.
2: Yeah. Real quick on Herbert. It's been, I mean, we talked a little bit last week about, is he anti-clutch? Is it fair to say that uh, after that game, after what he did in week one against the Dolphins and now you look at this game where he went, I think seven of 16 for a hundred yards with two interceptions in the second half, when your team needed you the most, uh, those aren't numbers that you can afford to have, especially when you're in a shootout with the chiefs and the chargers were absolutely in this game if they could have done literally anything uh, in the second half. And one of Herbert's interceptions came when the Chargers had driven down inside the Chiefs' 10-yard line on their first possession of the second half. So they had a chance to tie the game, but Herbert threw an interception, so it didn't happen. Uh, But the Chiefs' defense played a part in that because they have been (laughs) surprisingly good. It's like you get Chris Jones back in there, and now... uh, I, I think the Chiefs, the stat is that the Chiefs are the only team in the NFL that hasn't given up at least 21 points in a single they, game this year. They give they go 21 to the Lions. Or they haven't given up over 21 points yeah. in a single and game this year.
0: Since then, 21 to the Lions, 9 to the Jags, 10 to the Bears, 20 to the Jets, 20 to the Vikings, 8 to the Broncos, and 17 to the Chargers. Those are, not, those are some not, not explosive offenses. Like... You're talking about like sub twenty one against the Vikings, Chargers, and Jags. I mean, the the Chiefs' offense hasn't really clicked completely yet. But my goodness, this rem- this reminds me. I mean, this is I guess easy to say, but it reminds me of the second half of the season when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, and sort of like that 2006 uh, Colts team that won the Super Bowl as well. Where yeah, you know, yeah, you know, Peyton Manning, yeah, you know, Patrick Mahomes. You know, you, ha- you don't have Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne at wide receiver, but you got Travis Kelsey. And you have enough. Rishi Rice has been playing pretty well. Marcus found a scantling, caught a touchdown. So, like, you have enough pieces there where you, you know this offense is really good. Isaiah Pacheco running the ball well. But the defense is, like, playing awesome, but you're not entirely sure. There, there's, you know, Chris Jones is great, but there, there's nothing like, there's not like TJ Watt flying off the edge or Nick Bosa flying off the edge. Like, every, like, three plays where something, like, it's just a really good team effort. And like you, Spags gets tons of credit because he's done this before. You know he, he's done it in different ways, but it, it just feels reminiscent. Or even last year's, de- you know, last year's defense when they win the Super Bowl, and they have a bunch of rookies in the secondary, and they kind of came on strong uh, in the second half. I, it feels like the only question is like, is the defense playing too well too early? Can they keep this up for the full season? If they do, this team's going to win fourteen games.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's such a thing as playing too well too
0: early. I mean, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, like, yeah, you, I mean, you'll can take you can, can I mean, like, do, do you think? I mean, they get the Broncos and the Dolphins next, and they're by Eagles, Raiders, Packers, Bills, Pats, Raiders, Bengals, Chargers. I mean, surely they're going to give up like four, three or four 21 point games. I don't know, man. I mean, play a good football. Uh, Nick
1: Bolton did leave with uh, a wrist injury, so we'll see what happens with that. That I think is a dislocated wrist. So that's kind of important, but again, every team is injured at this point of the year. I think the bigger issue is not for Kansas City because when we're saying things like can this defense continue to kick people's asses, that's a good conversation to have. The other question is what's going on with this Chargers team? I mean, it is just one thing after the next. They can't beat um, the Chiefs no matter what, and they're losing the teams they shouldn't lose to, and it is an absolute hot mess. And if your best player is playing like, you know, Matt Johnson's worst day you got some things to sort out. So. I mean, do you think Justin Herbert's starting to wonder if he's clutch? No, I think Justin Herbert's really good. I just think that he's pressing. He lost Mike Williams, Quentin Johnson. Or do you think he's going to send some anonymous emails in? Like maybe
0: we should get a new coach. I mean, he may not be anonymous about it. I don't know because it's just not working. <laughs> he may do like a SoFi commercial. He's like, sure. Yeah. He may have been just fired from the Broncos or just fired from the chargers. And no, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the, this is a manhandling. I mean, they scored, what, 34 well, against the Dolphins? It was
1: actually close for two-thirds of that game. It, w- it was competitive. And then, much like the Dolphins game at the end, it got away from them.
0: Yeah, now, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair.
1: Yeah, and I think it got away from them because of the
0: quarterback. Oh, the they, they, they pick in the end zone was just horrendous.
1: No, it wasn't great. It was not great. No.
0: I mean, there was, was a chance to tie it at uh, 24, right? Yep. Yep. You, can, so, you can't throw. You just can't. You can't throw that interception. At that point in time. I think it was i think it was on third down, but that's still not an excuse. Like you've got to get the field goal. You got to cut it to four. You ha- or, or, or let Staley go for it. I mean, it's yeah, Justin Herbert plays a bad football right now.
1: All right. Speaking of bad football, and this was funny because um <laughs> turns out I actually did read the athletic and I was reading to see what they were saying about uh Matt LaFleur and, and just that team before the game. And one of the questions in the headline, I don't know if it was a mailback or not, was whether Matt LaFleur was on the hot seat. I was like, wow, that is. Pretty crazy, given that we're seven weeks into the post-Aaron Rodgers era. Uh, but he ain't getting a lot of help from this team. He said last week execution was a problem. And it wasn't necessarily saying, you know, I think we can – I give this team a pass. We have to play better. And, you know, Jordan Love had an interception in the end there. Wasn't asked to do a whole bunch. Only threw for 180. Aaron Jones played. That was sort of a surprise. And uh, he did some things when he's out there. But it was mostly A.J. Dillon. Doing the heavy lifting, we saw some of the young players: uh, Luke Musgrave, Romeo Dobbs, make plays. Uh, Jaden uh, Reed, the uh, day two pick; Dontavian Wicks, the day three pick. That said, if you lose to the Broncos, you got to have some serious soul searching. So, uh, Breaches Jordan Love to answer: um, Are we going in another direction? Uh, can you fix this? Where are we on the on the agreement package? Because you mentioned the NFC North, sort of wide open. Well, I, the
2: one thing I will say is that I remember last year, maybe it was the Super Bowl year for the Bengals, where it seemed like we had a weekly debate about whether Zach Taylor was a good coach or not, <laughs> and we could never figure it out. And I think Matt LaFleur is going to be the new coach we debated about because the Packers were so eager to kick Aaron Rodgers out the door And the thought was that, hey, well, obviously they have somebody better in the bullpen. They want to get him out there, and they're ready to move on with their future franchise quarterback. And that just has not been the case. I mean, Jordan Love has not been great. He hasn't been horrible, but he's been really bad in the first half of games. And so the Packers have always been trailing. And then the other part of this is he's running Matt LaFleur's offense. So you've got to pin some of it on the head coach. And we're talking about a team that was coming off a bye. The Packers were coming off by you get to play the Broncos, a team that scored nine points last week, the second Uh, worst
0: defense by DVOA in the history of the
2: stat in the history of the stat, a team that gave up 70 points in week three, a team that gave up 35 points to the commanders in week two, which is like giving up 70 to a normal team, a very, very bad defense and the Packers just could not do anything. And so I think you have to be concerned. If you're a Packers fan, I think you have to be concerned if you're on that coaching staff and the one thing I will say is you can't bench Jordan Love. That's not an option. This is – you got to let him – this is the guy you signed up with. You got to let him finish this season, uh, see what happens, see if he grows, see if he gets better, and then you make a decision at the end of the year. So maybe they win their next 10 games and Jordan Love <laughs> looks like an MVP. I don't know. But right now, he doesn't look good. So what do you think, Princeton? You, you bench him or you uh, – no no no, 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 right? no, 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 Right? You, you can't
0: bench him. I, I think the thing about LaFleur that's interesting is like – Every time Brady Quinn always talks about this, and you hear other people talk about it too. Like Aaron, when Matt Lafleur came to the Packers, he basically walked into the Aaron Rodgers "f you" double middle finger like anti Jordan Love tour. You know, he was handed a really pissed off Aaron Rodgers, and by all accounts, Aaron Rodgers—I mean, I think this is pretty—Aaron I mean, Rodgers had complete and total freedom to do whatever he wanted at the line of scrimmage, right? Obviously. But so like there is some school of thoughts like do we know what Matt LaFleur's offense really is because Aaron Rodgers is running it but he's also just doing what Aaron Rodgers wants at the line of scrimmage and so now you have this quarterback and Jordan Love who's actually running the LaFleur offense I don't I'm not like blaming LaFleur because I do think Jordan Love and look I'm not I'm not crapping on Ryan here at all but like the two weeks in it's like well I mean Jordan, because you, your bold prediction was Jordan Love will have a better season than Rodgers. And it was like, this might be like the, one weekend. It was like, this is a freebie after they blow out the bears. It's, it's just like love is reminds me exactly of what he was at Utah state where he's will have these little hot streaks and they just get erratic as hell. And like the bad is real bad and the good is enticing, but we haven't really seen him like completely put it together yet for context. Uh, in Rogers' first year as starter with the Packers, sixteen games, six and ten, sixty three point six percent completion, four thousand passing yards, twenty eight touchdowns, and thirteen interceptions. And I do remember people being like, "All right, that wasn't a great year, but we feel like we've got the guy." Definitely does not feel like that with Jordan Love right now.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if they're picking in the top ten, they're going to have some serious conversations <laughs> about about where they're going. I was actually, if only, if to-
0: only for contractual reasons. Yeah, he's on a like like year. like it's not like Jordan loves him like a for his first year of his rookie deal. Like you gotta like if you want to keep him around, you have to pay him actual uh, uh, right. Yeah, I think he's on a two year
1: short term deal. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, no, right. But they
2: gave they gave him that extension that they can get out of after. Uh, I mean, probably after this season. I think the dead cap next year is like twelve million something around there. So it's not like they're locked to him, and he's only under contract through twenty twenty four. So right.
0: I, no, I'm just saying, like he, this guy is he's. And look, they've had injuries on the offensive line and whatnot, um, but and the receivers are all young. But I mean, like, you know, he was completing fifty five point six percent of his passes in twenty twenty three coming into this game, and managed to go twenty one to thirty one. Like he's the, the the like you can't teach accuracy, and it hasn't really borne out you know, over the last five or so weeks. We shall see.
1: Actually, I like Jordan Love, so hopefully it works out for him. But doesn't matter if I like him or not if he keeps throwing the ball to the other team um shout out to russ wilson for winning a football game somehow russ isn't the problem on that team so that's that's a that's a positive <laughs> development i guess
2: he's just playing average football that's <laughs> it like he's and nobody else is so you're like eh, it's not
1: bad it's not good whatever it is what it is right we're let's we're, we're too busy yelling about the sean watson and, and other quarterbacks who are playing terribly so yeah russ just stay in the middle all right speaking of average football I mean, we're living in a world, we're going to Los Angeles in case you're you're keeping score on your on your map at home breach, where the Steelers had a home game basically at SoFi Stadium against the Rams. We're living in a world where the Steelers have the same record as the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins could play the Steelers 100 times, and the aggregate score would be 40 million to four. And there would be two safeties, no points scored by Matt Cannon's offense. And,
0: and the Steelers would somehow win like six of the games with four
1: points. Right. And they'd still come out of it with a, you know, Matt Cannon would get an extension out of it. So let me just read you some some stats, and then Brinson, you can um defend.
0: Before before, I mean, do you do you want to like calm your nerves, take a break, and rethink the Matt Canada thing, or like do you? I mean, either way. Why did Harry want us to take a break? Oh, I was, I was, I was yeah. Let's oh, take yeah. a break. Sorry, Harry, I missed it. All yeah. right, let's
1: take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and then we'll tell you about uh, how the Steelers snuck a win out at SoFi Stadium. Right for this? All righty. Here's some um, some things that will keep Sean McVay up at night, and we'll talk about the last series that will certainly keep him up at night. Uh, at one point during this game, the Rams had 28 minutes to 60 minutes time possession. The Steelers' defense was on the field the entire time, and they were gassed. Um, the Rams finished 9 of 16 on third down. The Steelers only 4 of 12. Uh, the Rams had one interception. It was T.J. Watt just going crazy. T.J. Watt, he, he thought that Joe Burrow was playing the way he was playing defense. He almost ran it back for, for a touchdown. They gave the Steelers a, a first down at the seven yard line. And as Daryl Johnston mentioned uh, during the telecast, it's not very often you get seven yard drives. The Steelers often say you start doing things. And then we fast forward. Somehow the running game gets going. Somehow the Rams stall in the, in the second half. And then we get deep into the game. Two minutes, 12 seconds to go. The Rams ride a timeout because Sean McVay is terrible with timeouts. He used one early in the second half. I was like, why are you doing that? Fourth and goal from the Rams' 46 yard line. And Kenny Pickett is a lot of things, but he is not Jalen Hurst. So they tried the tush-push, and he probably got negative yards. The, the guy who <laughs> – the side judge who put the spot down clearly is a Steelers fan because they gave him a first down. And Brinson, because it was at 2-12 and because the Rams had no timeouts, it was not going to be an automatic review. And then when they came back from the two-minute warning, the Steelers just had to kneel out, and they won the game. The ball was at the 46, as I mentioned. There's a very good chance you would imagine that Matthew Stafford would either use Puka Nakua or, or Cooper Cup. Uh, to find his way down the field, or Daryl Henderson, who ran for four million yards, but that was not uh, uh, afforded to him. So, what did it make of this Rams team? Who they had a loss, sort of handed to them, but as Sean McVay said after the game, he said we did some things leading up to that that he said the right things. But I mean, there's no way in God's green earth the Steelers should have left that game with a win.
0: Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I pretty disappointing for the Rams. Um, I think so, absolutely. Well, <laughs> by the way, so we uh. Mentioned the what we say, the Ravens were uh or the Browns are minus two oh five to make the playoffs. Wait, did I tell you what Pittsburgh? Yeah, Pittsburgh's minus one ten. Like they're four and two and they're even money to make the playoffs. Pittsburgh feels very much and like I'm not like trying to crap on the Steelers, just like I mean, Wilson you would say this too, I think. I mean, like they are feel like very like they're what negative twenty four point differential and they're four and two. Their offense
1: I mean, is terrible. I mean, that's
0: not a – It's pure it's smoke and mirrors. And, like, I, th- I think it was, like, more – You know, last week – or, or uh, two weeks ago, excuse me, it was you know, Matt Canada. They scored that touchdown pass to George Pickens. And it's like everyone's ripping Matt Canada because he didn't celebrate right away. I think he was just like, oh, my God, please, no flags. Please, no flags. There's no way – that was not the play I called, not the play I designed. Can Kenny he, can he just, just went he rogue. Did. Just don't – no flags. And, like, I'm going to – maybe take credit for this and, like, clap and act like that's what I called. And then this week, like, he looked like – he's like, come on, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Like, th- this feels like – this is like NFL Iowa, where Brian Brian Ferentz is has to get seven wins and score 25 points a game or else he loses his job. And it's – watching him and you're like, this is not going to happen. And they just keep winning games somehow.
1: Any thoughts it's- for each about your uh- – your schoolmate, Sean McVay?
2: I will say about my schoolmate, Sean McVay, is that he needs to hire someone. Sean, if you want to call me, it's fine to help him use his timeouts because the timeout usage is not just this week. It is literally all the time. If sometimes you can bet on the sports books, what coach is going to use a timeout first, always bet McVay. It is free (laughs) money. The guy just loves using timeouts. And so uh, what actually happened here is two plays before that fourth and one. So the Steelers had, you know, the first down on that final possession where they wore they ran down the clock. Uh, so the uh, Rams used their set. They used their first timeout in the third quarter. They used their second timeout on a first and ten where the Steelers got two yards. They used their third timeout on a second and eight where the Steelers got zero yards, and then. Two plays later is when the Kenny Pickett thing happened. So literally, they use that final timeout two plays later. You can do that in the first half. You have to have a timeout at the two-minute warning so this doesn't happen to you. Just keep one because it's just as good after the two-minute warning. Your goal is to try and save 40 seconds. Uh, And so you save the 40, whether it's on the front side or the back side. Uh, But really, it's the third quarter timeout that, that, that bit them in the butt. And the other thing I will say is that the Rams dug their own grave here. You had one of the top five kickers in the NFL <laughs> and that day. You let him walk in free agency. Then you went out and signed the guy who had a meltdown in the playoffs last year, Brett Maher. Uh, and all Brett Maher did was miss two field goals in this game. He has now missed multiple field goals in three games this year. He is the only kicker in the NFL who has missed multiple field goals in three different games. And I, it, that's just. That, and he missed an extra point. So that's yeah. that's what you get for bringing in a guy who, look, kick or snap. It happens. You miss a few. It, 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 you just mentally break, and it's tough to get it back. It, it's the Chuck Knoblock thing with the throws.
1: Steve Sacks. Right. if you're old.
2: Yeah, Steve Sack is just – he doesn't completely have it back mentally. Maybe he'll get it. Maybe he won't. But the Rams are riding this wagon, this bumpy wagon that's headed for a cliff, and they're like, oh, we don't care. We'll hope it works. So, Uh, Yeah, Meyer's definitely been an issue, and I'll be interested to see if they keep him
1: uh, through this week, if he's their kicker in week eight. All right, two more, and we'll get to these sort of quickly here. Uh, Man, the Giants and the Commanders was something that you, when you punish your kids, you make them watch this. (laughs) Uh, 18 combined punts, uh, breach, you probably watched that game naked. Uh, but everyone else was, was very <laughs> was very saddened by that. But I want to talk specifically – and, Breach, I'm going to ask you this because you have great experience with uh, – and actually I do sort of too – with young quarterbacks playing behind offensive lines that refuse to block for them. I'm talking about Joe Burrow in your case. Sam Burrow uh, – Sam Burrow, they wish. Sam Howell was sacked six more times. Uh, he's been sacked 40 times this season, second most by any quarterback through seven games. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the winner, of course, is David Carr. And David Carr held the record as, as rookie season 2002 – at 43 at this point, and then he did it again in 2005, he had 37. How did the Bengals fix it, and how did the commanders fix it, or is this something that people have to lose their jobs over and it's going to have to happen over a year or two?
2: Well, I mean, there's a few ways to fix it. I don't know if the commanders can do any of it. One, uh, you get your ground game going. You say, hey, Brian Robinson, we need you to carry the ball uh, 47 times. Antonio Gibson, you need to carry it 42 times. We can't throw passes because our quarterback's getting killed. Uh, you'd start adding a lot of screens into your game, but then defenses will catch on to that. So you can't do that all the time. And the other thing is like, Sam, how has to be better. Not every one of these sacks was on, is on the offensive line. I saw most of this game today. I would say of the six sacks, two were his fault. And that's still getting sacked four times, lot, which is not yeah. good, but he's just not, I would say that Eric, the is probably frustrated with Sam Howell just because he, he, it's, he just ignores some of his first read sometimes. And then the pressure's there and he's sacked and that's it. Or he tries to run around, do something and he's sacked and that's it. So not all of these on the offensive line, but it doesn't matter. It's a combination that has led to him being the second most quarterback in NFL history through seven weeks. And if they don't fix it, they're not going to win many more games.
0: Yeah. And, uh, Irvin Magic Johnson, an eloquent tweeter, if there ever was one, uh, fired out this loquacious missive on uh, his account. Disappointing 14-7 loss from my commanders to the New York Giants. It's hard to win in the NFL when you only score seven points, period. Which, you know, is like kind of like just basically how Magic Johnson tweets, but also is notable because he, you know, owns the the the, the commanders as well, along with Josh Harris. And, like, if my, if my boss is tweeting out hard to win in the NFL when you only score seven points, I'm getting my, – like, my butt's hot, right? Like you got to feel like you're sitting on a, a seat heater. So, I, I think Ron uh, Rivera in, in, in deep deep doo-doo, as Ryan Wilson would say.
1: Yeah, it does appear to be going well there. Some place that is going well, but as Harry notes, uh, it can't even it's – a, it's a pyrrhic victory, as it were. Chicago. Great story for Tyson Bajant. Saw him at the Senior Bowl, Division II Shepard. I will be honest. I watched him at the senior bowl and said, this kid is overwhelmed coming from D2, playing against a lot of these, these kids from power five schools. Then I watched him in the preseason. He was absolutely balling out. The last game he played in college, and Rick Spielman and I talked about this on the With the First Pick podcast last week, was against Colorado School of the Mines, and they absolutely destroyed uh, Shepard. And in 2021, Tyson threw 50-something touchdowns. 2022 threw 40-something touchdowns threw for almost 10,000 yards the last two years in college. And here he is taking it to the Raiders. you <laughs> see Josh McDale's name trending on Twitter. Uh, but Brentson, I'll ask you this cause you are a, uh, the conspiracy theorist on this, on this here podcast show. Indeed. Uh, the bears are now third in the draft order. Luckily Carolina Panthers didn't play this week. So they're still winless and they still hold the first overall pick and they still traded that pick to Chicago. So they have that, but there's no longer a Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison marriage in the bears future because they're picking third, maybe in their best interest and in get offensive linemen, But, uh, if you're the owner, are you having a conversation with Matt Eberflue? So, are you, I mean, you, you put the, the Division Two kid out there and you still won a football game.
0: I mean, we're sure Caleb Williams is good enough to definitely just cut bait on Justin Fields. Caleb Williams hasn't been great. Yes, Drake, right. May, Drake I, May, I, May wasn't Caleb great. Williams Drake May been, when,
1: Caleb Williams has been amazing. Um, yeah,
0: the last two weeks haven't been amazing. Best
1: no, fun. he he has the, the the first half against Notre Dame was straight up dog. He threw three, yeah, sure. he threw
0: three, yeah, he he's yeah, he went he's, his fault he's, he's, yeah, 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 Don't okay. don't fall for the hype. So I mean, like if they if they like they, they're they're taking Caleb Williams. If I if don't they had know. The opp- I would. They didn't. If they, they have, didn't, have the they opportunity. Took, they took Mr.
1: Trubisky, so I don't know what they'll do. <laughs>
0: True. To so maybe they'll take I, 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 May. uh, they take Drake May. the way, could. Drake May lost to Virginia as a twenty-three and a half point home favorite on Saturday. I'm not a great
1: for big name quarterbacks Justin Herbert, Drake May, Caleb Williams. Everyone's losing. My point to you though is are should the Bears be trying to lose or are they okay doing this? Um yeah,
0: I I, I think it's like they you need to win because you can't just be a you can't just lose, you can't be a loser franchise and expect to like suddenly start winning all like it, it it doesn't turn around overnight when you lose a ton. Like look at the the Lions, right? They had, they had to sort of build to this. Um so yeah, I think the tanking though typically I'm pro Yeah. I, I just think the bears, I think the bears are stuck in that void where bad. The conversation might be, Hey, you need to lose more, but also, Hey, you're fired. So oh, he's going to
1: pull Levy Smith on him is what you're
0: saying. Right. So I think he's like, or, or yeah, a major league. Like he's like, I can't, I can't, aff- he can't, aff- he can't afford to lose. I don't think so. I don't think that con- also George McCaskey not smart enough to have that conversation. Um, yeah, probably a bad win for the Bears. You throw out a D2 guy and beat the Raiders with Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer, 0-13 in his last 13 starts, by the way. And you drop 30 on him yeah. I mean, with a pick six. I, I don't, yeah, bad Bad win for the Bears, but the good news is you still have the Panthers pick. Yeah. And you know what,
2: though? If you're the Bears, you don't need to tank just yet. You're in the NFC. You're <laughs> only a game and a half out of a playoff spot. Just ride the train until oh, the end God. of November. Uh, it, well, I mean, the Panthers are zero six, and you're two games better than them now. So it's not even you're not doing a good job of tanking if you want to tank. So I, I was the,
0: and, the, and the Broncos and the Patriots n- clearly not tanking after today. Like there was like, why do Belichick and Sean Payton suck all of a sudden? They have to be tanking. No, as it turns out, they're just sort of old and and, and rinsed, if you will. Oh, you guys think, want a
2: fun fact, real quick? Yeah. So we know that uh, Tyson Bagent went to Shepard. I have been to a college football game that Shepard played in. Is that where you threw football. the
1: touchdown pass that
0: Neville ever No, it was 75-yard punt. Yeah, yeah, my just, my oh, brother... Yeah, yeah.
2: My, I, I was like, I recognize that school, and I, uh, my brother went to West Virginia Wesleyan, oh, okay. uh, which is near Shepard, and they play each other in football.
1: I think Bajan is actually from West Virginia. He went to the transfer portal after the 2021 season. He had some D1 offers from pretty big schools. He came back to Shepard, and then he balled out until he met, uh, ran into... Colorado School of the Mines, but uh, it's a great story. Especially if you saw him in the Senior Bowl, even if you watched the game when he played in the Senior Bowl, you're like, "All right, this kid is is not getting drafted." I know NFL teams liked him because of his size, and he he gave a great interview after the game. So I'm happy for him. His dad, by the way, a professional arm wrestler. He has something like 18 titles. Um, so if that's do you name, know what
0: do you know what Chris Berman's nickname for uh, Tyler Beighton would be? Tyson, know what? Secret. Agent Man, (laughs) Uh, is that true, or did you make that up? (laughs) Uh, Somebody called me on a telecast earlier. I Uh, I heard it like on the TV. I don't know who it was. um, One last thing.
1: Think about this. Think about your secrets. BvPs while I tell you this this thing. Uh perhaps the thing about tanking, like I don't think teams tank. There's too too many moving parts. It's like conspiracy theories I can pull it yeah. off. But the other thing is, and I mentioned it a second ago, don't forget Lovey Smith won that week 18 game against the with Jaguars, whoever was the Colts last year. Yeah, Colts. That got them CJ as opposed to Bryce. They wanted Bryce. They didn't like CJ during the process. They were thinking about taking Will Anderson, number two. It's great, great. Fell point. in their lap. And that it turns out you know, the, the Caesar Milan, if you're a dog person, says sometimes you get the dog you need, not the dog you want. They got the quarterback they needed, not the one they wanted. So just win football games and see what happens, unless you're Zach uh, Taylor and you get Joe Burrow falling in your lap and suddenly you're a Hall of Fame coach.
0: All well, right. I mean, remember the Chargers? Chargers like, ha ha, ha ha these fools gave us Justin Herbert and took two of them. And we thought well, they we were right. We all agree with then, that until about two weeks ago, too, though. That's right. Exactly. All right. Brenton VP. I will give the uh, Brinson VP to, uh, begrudgingly Russell Wilson. That's
1: the first first award he's won in three years. (laughs) 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 Look, 20 and 29,
0: 194 to touchdown. I, I think we've seen enough out of Russ to say like, all right, there's a little something there. That, that, that yeah. touchdown pass to the the deep left touchdown pass to the Enzo to Cortland Sutton.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I
0: think I think when Breach called him
1: average, I think that's a compliment. I I'm, I'm willing to go that far.
0: Right, but I didn't think I didn't think we had average Russ still. No, in the No, that's right. I agree with that. All right, way to go,
2: Russ Breach VP. I was gonna give it to Travis Kelsey, but he it's got no, Taylor he's Swift of not
1: too need good. It. He doesn't need too
2: good. So I'm gonna oh. give it to like uh, Brinson, a very unexpected quarterback. <laughs> Desmond Ritter oh, that's, that's uh, look he tried his best to lose his job today with three turnovers he lost three fumbles in, in the, the red, red zone. zone three in the red oh, zone three I saw two two okay. two at the one yard line uh, <laughs> but you know what he did he drove the Falcons down and he got a game winning field goal from young way he set them up uh, and, and that's what you need you save your job by winning that game and now despite your play your team is still in first place In the NFC South, heading into week eight, and that's about all you can ask for if you're the Falcons. So I think Ritter might have saved his job with that game winning drive, and good for him.
0: All right, So go ahead, go ahead and give us a third quarterback we didn't expect to see today, Wilson. I can't believe Russ
1: Ritter, and I can't believe Breach did this. I'm going with Youngway Koo. That's the easy one, Breach. He had a fifty something plus yard. How do you not take McCorkle? I already talked about him earlier, and I can't believe Breach besmirched smirched Youngway Koo's name. So I will go with him. All right, that's it. Week seven, Sunday Night Super Friends is a wrap, but don't worry. Be back here next Sunday night. In the meantime, you can check us out. Our check Pick Six podcast out all week on YouTube at go That's where we get your podcasts. Thanks to Breach, thanks to Brentson, thanks to producer Harry, and thanks to all you guys who watch and listen. We'll see you guys later.